We praise our God and we thank Him for His mercy and for His grace. We're glad to see each of you here, both members and visitors alike. Let's go to God in prayer, please. Oh, gracious God in heaven, we thank you so very much. We praise you. We, we ask you that you will help us. Because we recognize our need. Our need to be in you. Our need for humility. Our need just to live and to move and to have our very being. We ask, oh God, that you will bless us tonight as we worship you. We're thankful for Jesus, your great son, who died that we might live and that he lived his life perfectly. He showed us an example. And the example that he showed us is that we don't have to sin. We choose to sin. Give us the strength, Lord God, to be more like you. And bless us as only you can. In Jesus' holy name we pray and thank you. Be thy will. Amen. Matthew chapter 4. Tonight, the, um, those two brothers, the sons of thunder, I want us to think about them a little bit this evening uh, as we continue talking about the apostles. In Matthew 4 and verse 18, And walking by the sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they immediately left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them, and they immediately left their boat and their father and followed him. I want to come back to that in just, in just a moment. But these are, these are fishermen, right? And in Mark chapter 3... Uh, you can imagine being fishermen that uh, maybe they had this certain kind of temperament about them. In Mark 3 and verse 13, the text says, And he went up to the mountain and summoned those whom he himself wanted. And they came to him, and he appointed twelve, that they might be with him, and that he might set, send them out to preach, and to have authority to cast out demons. And he appointed the twelve, Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, the brother of James, to whom he gave the name Bonages, which means sons of thunder. And Andrew, and Philip, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and Thomas, and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, and Simon, the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who's also betrayed him. Sons of thunder. I want to look just for a moment. Luke chapter 9, at, at some of, something about their personality that is different and unique to them. And remember, Jesus gave them the name. He gave Simon Peter his name. He, he, he changed his names. He gives covenant names. These he gave the name, the sons of thunder. In Luke 9 and verse 46, And an argument arose among them, the apostles, as to which of them might be the greatest. So imagine for just a moment that here are the greatest men uh, in, the, in the era of the A.D. 100 on. God's prophets, God's people, and these men are arguing about who is the greatest. And those sons of thunder are amongst this argument. In 47, but Jesus, knowing what they were thinking, 
in their heart, took a child and stood him by his side and said to them, Whoever receives this child in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives him who sent me. For he who is least among you, this is the one who is great. So who is the greatest? The man who can humble himself to be like a child. And John, verse 49. And John said, Master, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to hinder him because he does not follow us. Listen kind of to the, you know, the argument about who's the greatest, and, and you should follow the greatest, right? And so John sees this man casting out demons. Now, I know if you think about that, that will be considered a friend, right? He's casting the evil one out. So you'd say, well, this is good that these men are casting out Satan that has to be by the power of God. But the problem, the problem was they wouldn't follow us. Why wouldn't they follow us? And so for just a moment, perhaps they forgot that these men or women, whomever it may have been, were supposed to follow Jesus. And in verse, uh, verse 50, but Jesus said to him, do not hinder him, for he who is not against you is for you. And so this perspective, this understanding had to be, if you will, um, uh, given to them so that they might grow. They tried to stop someone who was doing a work of God because they wouldn't follow them. Verse 46, that's pride, isn't it? And an argument arose among them as to which of them might be the greatest. Maybe they didn't really get the message, right? Maybe they didn't get the message. Not yet. And, in verse, and again, in verse 49, the problem is they didn't follow. They didn't follow us. They didn't follow us. Not they didn't follow Jesus. They didn't follow us. And then you have to love how Jesus responds to them. And he says in verse 50, do not hinder him, for he who is not against you is for you. Now, I wonder in the Lord's church, what if we could remember that, that with all of our struggles, right, in life, and with all the things we see in the body, and yet everyone you know in the body of Christ loves God to some measure, right? And so if we could remember that since all of us are together trying to serve God, then he who is for God is also for us. And maybe that might help us even in our home life, in our relationships, in our spiritual walk of faith, that he who is not against God is not against us. Like Ephesians tells us, and like so many other passages, that, that we got to put on the armor of God and remember that our, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual forces of wickedness, right? So what a great, what a great teaching for not only the sons of thunder, but how it carries over to us. Now, so they finally realize, all right, well, these guys are not necessarily our enemies. So I wonder then, how would the sons of thunder deal with their enemies? So you just keep reading. Verse 51. And it came about when the days were approaching for his ascension that he resolutely set his face to go to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers on ahead of him 
And they went and entered a village of the Samaritans to make arrangements for him. And they did not receive him because he was journeying with his face toward Jerusalem. And when his disciples James and John saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? I mean, you know, these, these young men, I want to go back to Second Kings and look at Elijah. These, these young men who are striving to serve God and, and do the will of God are really struggling in their walk of faith. And so I think to us, this is a, a lesson of encouragement because I know when I first became a Christian, I struggled in my walk of faith. And they're still struggling in our walks of faith. But think about their struggle that they go from, we wanted this man to follow us and he wouldn't, and so we tried to stop him, them from, from casting out evil, evil spirits. And then they come across the group who will not receive Jesus, and he says, let's just kill them all. It's not, that's not the way. I mean, think about it. That was their mindset as God's apostles, men who would lead people to Jesus, they, they just, it took them a bit to get it. In verse 51, uh, the Bible uh, tells us, 2 Kings chapter 1, excuse me, verse, verse 9. I looked at that and said, oh, I'm in the wrong place. Then the king who, uh, sent to him a captain of 50 with his 50. And he went up to him, and behold, he was sitting on the top of the hill. And he said to him, O man of God, the king says, come down. And Elijah answered and said to the captain of 50, If I am a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50. And then fire came down from heaven and consumed him and his 50. So he again sent uh, to him another captain of 50 with his 50. And he answered and said to him, O man of God, thus says the king, come down quickly. And Elijah answered and said to them, If I am a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50. And the fire of God came down from heaven and consumed him and his 50. So he again sent the captain, the third 50, with his 50. And when the third captain of his 50 went up, he came down, bowed down his knees before Elijah, and he begged him and said to him, O man of God, please let my life and the life of these 50 servants of yours be precious in your sight. Behold, fire came down from heaven and consumed the first two captains of fifty with their fifties. But now let my life be precious in your sight. And the angel of the Lord said to Elijah, Go down with him. Do not be afraid of him. So he arose and went down with him to the king. And you say, you know, one thing we know about, about the sons of thunder is they got something in the Old Testament. <laughs> but why'd they get that one? Dear God, shall we, Luke, Luke chapter 9, should we command fire? Because these people are, are, you know, are against you. Should we just command fire to come down and just let's just burn all of them up, right? Let's let's destroy all of your enemies, God. That that wasn't the plan of God. They're very aggressive in their in their personalities. Verse fifty-five says, but he turned and rebuked them and said, "You do not know what kind of spirit." You are of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went on to another village. Their, their zeal is stronger than Simon the Zealot's zeal. 
their, their, their zeal, uh, they, they, they didn't learn yet, not yet, they hadn't learned yet that the mission of God was not about destroying lives. The mission of God was about saving lives. But they struggled in their, in their walk of faith, in the earlier years of their walks of faith. Mark chapter 10. These two brothers and their mother came together and they put together a plan. And their plan was, you know, we, um, we should get a position, right, next to the Lord. Right? Somewhere in there, we ought to have a position because of who we are. And so they got together, mom and two boys, and they said, hey, we're going to go to Jesus. And we're going to be the first ones to ask for this special, unique position in our relationship with the Lord. And in verse 35, And James and John, the two sons of Zebedee, came up to him, saying to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. Now Matthew 20, by the way, tells us that the mother also was with them. Verse 36, And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant that we may sit in your glory, one on your right and one on your left. I know they're 12 apostles, Lord, but we, the two of us, you gave us a special name, a unique name. Let us have this special, unique position, one on your right and one on your left. But Jesus said to them, you do not know what you are asking for. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized. And they said to him, we are able. And Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you shall drink. And you shall be baptized with the baptism in which I am baptized. That's the baptism of suffering, by the way. That whole, this whole uh, uh, teaching of Jesus is, you're going to suffer like I suffer. But to sit on my right or on my left, this is not mine to give, but it's for those for whom it has been prepared. What a, what a question. But notice they were thinking about the glory of God when they said, let us sit in your glory, one on your right and one on your left. And according to, according to uh, the understanding of these, these two boys, these two young men, they still struggle with pride. I want us to look over the book of Acts. You don't get to see a lot uh, or learn a lot about, about James, for James is the first apostle to be executed for the cause of Christ. And in Acts 12, beginning at verse 1, Now about that time Herod the king laid his hands on some who belonged to the church in order to mistreat them. And he had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. So James is beheaded. They say that James uh, also preached in India and in Spain. But his brother continues on in the gospel, right? Matthew, please, chapter 4. I'm going to go back to uh, the beginning. Matthew chapter 4. So James now is, is gone. He's gone on to glory. And now John is remaining on the earth. I want to grab, if you will, verse 21 and verse 22. And going on from there... He saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, 
mending their nets. And he called them, and they immediately left the boat and their father and followed him. I want to think about that for just a moment. Here's the family business. And uh, the three of them are taking care of the boats. They're partners, by the way, with Peter. And, and, and Peter and Andrew have already left their, their business. And now, now these two young men leave their father and say, Dad, you got this. It's immediate, right? They didn't take time to work things out. They just said, Dad, you got this. Jesus is calling us. We, um, we have to go. Now, I wonder for just a moment, if James had known that in just a few years his life would end, would he have still left his net, his father, the business, and followed Jesus? And the thing is, we don't know that answer. But when you think about the first century, how very real it was for them to realize that today, I want you to think about this for a moment. In those days, today, you could be baptized into Christ and tonight you could be executed for the cause of Christ. You had to really, really believe to leave your, your lifestyle and your livelihood and the relationship that you have with God to become a Christian, to become a child of God. There was some real serious thinking that was going on. And I believe maybe by uh, you know, just by faith, Luke chapter 5, please, that he would have still left his nets and his father and followed Jesus Christ. It's really important that when we think about our relationship to God, that we're not going to live here forever. And so we must remember to continually prepare our lives for what is to come. Right? All of us are going to die one day, or the Lord's going to come back and take us home. But all of us are going to leave this place called the earth. The number one priority in our lives has to be Jesus, right? Not our 401Ks, not our, our future in that sense. That cannot be your number one priority. It has to be Jesus. If it's not Jesus, then what is it? It's not our trade. It's not our business. Luke 5 and, and verse 10. And so also James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon, and Jesus said to Simon, Do not fear from now on, you will be catching men. Can you imagine that this whole business went under in one day? Maybe it didn't quite go under. The father may have employed other people. But the whole business was shaken up. You know, the CEOs, if you will, all gone in one day. What an amazing idea and understanding about your relationship with God. That what's important and what's number one is Jesus. I want to go to Revelation chapter 1. A very zealous individual, both of them, all of them, these, these apostles are, are amazing men that we can look at and see them as they walk with Jesus. And think about what they gave up for God. They were ready and they were willing. They weren't these poor men who weren't successful. They had both. They had nets. They had fishing equipment. These men were doing all right in that day. And they were willing to leave and follow Jesus immediately. Today the question is not, are you willing to leave your profession and follow Jesus? But rather, are we willing to leave our sin 
whatever that is that's holding us back in our relationship to God, are we willing to leave those things behind, turn around in repentance and godly sorrow, and follow Jesus with all of our mind, with all of our hearts, and with all of our souls? Revelation 1 and verse 9, John writes, I, John, your brother and fellow partaker in the tribulation and kingdom and perseverance, which are in Jesus, was on the island called Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. And that cup that Jesus spoke of, they both drank that cup. It wasn't, he wasn't on the island of Patmos because uh, he had made a mistake in life. He was on the island of Patmos because he chose to be with Jesus. And when his brother was killed, he didn't walk away from Jesus. He stayed faithful and he stayed true. What I want to do is close this out by giving you a few uh, books, John's books, 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. And I want you to realize and recognize, 1 John, please, what, what John discovered. Remember in the beginning, they were all arguing about who was the greatest. And then Jesus said, unless you become like a little child. John, this apostle, was one of the apostles who got what I hope we can get if we don't already have it. And that is to learn what it truly means to love. And, and not love self, but to love, to love self, to love God, to love, to love everyone. To love as God loves. In first, verse 7 of 1 John chapter 4, Beloved, let us love one another, for, God is, for love is from God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. But this is the love of God. It was manifested in us that God was sent, His sent His only begotten Son into the world so that we might live through Him. And this is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has beheld God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and His love is perfected in us. And what is the world missing? Love. A love for God. A love for humanity. Is the church missing that? To love God with all of our heart with all of our mind, with all of our soul, and with all of our strength. I will say this, by inspiration, God spoke through John. John figured it out. You know, it doesn't take a rocket scientist. He says, God is love. And we ought to be like God. And if we're going to be like God, we've got to love each other. Right? Second John. Second John, verse 4. I was very glad to find some of your children walking in truth. Just as we have received commandment to do from the Father. And now I ask you, lady, not as writing to you a new commandment, but the one which we have heard from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk according to His commandments. This is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, that you should walk in it. Walk in what? Love. To love God, to love your fellow man, to be like God, 
God is love. And to be like God means that we have to also be love. Third John, verse 1. The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Verse 5. Beloved, you are acting faithfully in whatever you accomplish for the brethren, and especially when they are strangers. And they bear witness, they bear witness to your love before the church. And you will do well to send them on their way in a manner worthy of God. Love. Be like God and love your fellow brethren. Be like God and, and love more than you've loved before. John figured it out. Remember John, the son of thunder. Listen to his transformation, right? From God, let's kill them all. To God, let's love them all, right? The man transformed his life, and he got it. And can you imagine being around John and hearing John talk about Jesus and hearing how John would say, Jesus loves you. Don't ever forget that. And then he might say, and I love you. Don't ever forget that. So to love God, think about that motivation. If that is my motivation to love God, that's what's going to bless me to keep the will of God, right? For he who loves me will keep my commandment, John 14 and 15. And that's exactly it. It is the love of God that compels us to live for God. And if it means that someone will execute us for the cause of Christ, then so be it. If it means that I've got to make sacrifices in this life, then so be it. It is the love that John had for God that allowed him to be exiled to the island of Patmos, and yet he continued on in Jesus. When his brother was executed, he still loved Jesus, and he still said, God, let's go. And he stayed faithful and true for many, many, many years to come. And so his brother was beheaded early in their ministry. And yet, so somewhere around uh, in the 30s A.D., if you will. And here we are out about another 50 years, 60 years, and John is still preaching the same message. Be like Jesus. Love. And then finally, Revelation chapter 1, the verses 4 through 6, uh, by way of inspiration, he writes about love. And he says... John to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness and firstborn of the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has released us from our sins by his blood. And he has made us to be a kingdom of priests to his God. And Father, to whom be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And you know, there wasn't an argument with Jesus about, you know, we asked if we could sit at your right hand and your left, and he just wouldn't, he wouldn't let us have that. He didn't argue about that. He figured it out. So then he says, Jesus says, during that aggressive argument about who's number one, or who's the greatest, to be like a child. And maybe... Maybe if we're thinking about, you know, well, preacher, I don't have time to read the whole Bible through tonight. How about this instead? How about think about the way children love their parents 
and then emulate that because that's the example that Jesus gave. Tonight, the lesson is yours. If we can help in any way, if someone would like to surrender to Christ in the waters of baptism, we encourage you to come. If there are those who would like prayers made in their behalf, we encourage you to come. Thank you for your time. God bless you. Please come. All together we stand and sing our songs.